Hello and welcome to the No Relation NFL Podcast with Matt and Bill Williamson. Matt, how are you doing today? I am very good. How are you? Doing well, doing well. I'm excited about this show. It's going to be our mid-season award show. Um, it's going to be fun. Um, you know, looking at my picks, most of my picks are guys are guys and teams who wouldn't have selected two months ago. You know, when the season kicked off, and I kind of that's kind of how it goes often, doesn't it? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, the prediction business is a brutal one at the NFL. <laughs> and, you know, I remember, like, for example, the all summer, you know, you analyze these things so much. The NFL is so popular, and, you know, we're on the air, and there really isn't much to talk about all off season. You know, well, there is, but, I mean, there's moves and things, but there's, you know, predictions, and there's no new uh, tape to watch. And, you know, I mean, I was asked over and over, you know, who do you like this year? And I said, boy, there's only really six teams to me that could win the Super Bowl. And that was the Steelers, the Patriots, the Panthers, the Packers, and the two teams in the West, Seattle and mm-hmm. Arizona. And, you know, you look at the Panthers and see, you know, Arizona, and they're, you know, they've played each other and they're a mess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that group probably just New England, Pittsburgh, and Seattle, right? Yeah. I mean,. Is is it time to dig a grave for for Carolina and the Cardinals? I mean, Carolina obviously is a really tough climb just to get to the postseason, but you know they just came off their bye and they looked pretty good and beat up on Arizona. Could they rebound and get hot and you know fly into the the postseason and on a on a roll? I mean, I think it's still possible. It's possible. I think Atlanta's offense is a little too good to. Give up a three-game lead to Carolina, but yeah, we'll see. Um, hey, let's start before we get into the awards. Let's start with the blockbuster trade yesterday, and uh, we we are for full disclosure, we are taping this right after the deadline. There's been no reported big trades. If there is anything while we're recording, we'll talk about it. But yeah, um, Jamie Collins to uh, to Cleveland, and when I saw Adam Schefter's tweet of that. I looked at it and I, I read it, and I'm like, God, "This has got to be one of those fake tweets or something." Because this <laughs> don't make any sense. That's like, you know, here's a trade, perfect example of how weird the NFL trade deadline is. You know, it's a national holiday in baseball, but that was a baseball version trade of like the Red Sox sending the Twins David Price or somebody. You know, a, a great, a, a really key player on a seven-one team goes to an Oh, an eight team for a quota prospect. It doesn't make any sense on paper. Your, your thoughts? Right. I mean, usually those kind of deals are the opposite. You know, like like you're implying that if you send a good player, you know, the Browns trade Joe Thomas or you know something like that right. to get rid of somebody that's established. Send them to Seattle or Minnesota or somewhere. Uh, immediately, and the same thing happened to me. I mean, it's happened to me several times in the Belichick, you know, regime here. Is you get news, and your immediate reaction is, what on earth is he thinking? You know, like, right. Bill really screwed it up this time for the first time. You know, like, why did they trade Richard Seymour? Why did they trade Chandler Jones? And obviously, after a while, you just kind of say, well, he's smarter than me. <laughs> that guy mm-hmm. knows what he's doing. He rarely makes a move like that, especially with a team – that's considered one of the bottom feeders. I mean, that if if you told me if you didn't even tell me the names, that it's kind of like the Raiders deal with with Moss and Seymour. That if the Browns and the Patriots made a trade, 
who do you think got the better of it? I don't even need to know the names, and I'm going to say the Patriots. And right. But I really like Joe. I mean, I really like you know uh, Collins a lot. I mean, I think he's a highly versatile, highly athletic, long, lean, uh, explosive player, but he doesn't do his job, as Belichick says. You know, he's too much of a freelancer within the scheme, and they, you know, he's not going to stand for that. And it was almost like a punishment, like, hey, you don't do what I tell you, I'm going to send you to Cleveland. You know, <laughs> you know like... Oh, yeah, I mean, he sent him to Cleveland. That was That's how I read it. It was a message. Yeah, and, right. You know, my big takeaway on it, and, and I'm with you. It's like, what the hell's going on? Then, you know, you're like, well, it, it's Belichick, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna judge him prematurely. But my big takeaway from it was that there was reports that Collins was happy with the trade. That's all. I, if that's true, if he's truly happy with going from the seven-one Super Bowl favorite to a team that could be zero sixteen very easily, then. New England wins the trade because I don't want a guy like that on my team. I want a guy who's, who who hears that news and he vomits. Right, right. You know? And obviously he can't come out in the public and be like, oh, this is this sucks. This is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Yeah, but there was nobody. But you're he, right. He wasn't quoted as saying it. And it was like attributed. To, it was almost like an off the record. You know what I mean? If if I'm his agent and I'm if I know something, I'm like, no, he's really pissed, but don't say nothing about it. But for, yeah, for right, this, right, he's right. like, hey, the word is he's happy about this. That 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 came across pretty, like, what you you want you want to go to a losing team? I don't know. It's just like not happy to be part of that New England thing. I'm sure it's not all roses there, but still, I mean, right? You're you woke you woke up on the Super Bowl favorite, and you just went to an 0 and 8 team. I mean, that's got to be jarring to anybody. Absolutely. And like you said, I mean, if that is true that, you know, he's happy about the deal, then, you know, good riddance. You know, I mean, I'm sure Belichick has known that that's a, a lack of competitiveness and he doesn't want that guy around anyways. But obviously there's money at play here, too, is they have, a, you know, the same like the Chandler Jones situation. They have a lot of defensive free agents coming up after the year, and they have to pick and choose who they want. So it's pretty clear that he wasn't at the top of that list. You know, fair enough. That they're going to get what the Browns' third round pick, correct? Yeah, a, a comp, a, a compensatory pick, yes. It's a, well, how does it? See, my thoughts were it was going to be the Browns' third round pick, which would probably be an early third rounder, obviously, because they're terrible. No, what I saw was a third round comp, and if they don't get it, they're they're expected to get a third round comp. If not, it'll be a fourth round pick. Um, okay, this is the first year comp picks can be traded. I got you. Okay. So, yeah. therefore, they basically get a third-round pick a year early for them because they would let them walk. Yeah. You know, they would yeah. get a problem. End of the third, third round. Right. Here's, here's one my one thing about not loving it for New England or not understanding it for New England. Okay, say you're not going to pay them at the end of the year, and why just, just play it out? Have them help you win the Super Bowl. It's only three more months. I mean, right. you're not, I mean your chances uh, of winning the Super Bowl this year – didn't get better with that trade at all. No, right, right, right. I mean, uh, that's kind of like the Josh Norman situation. Like, hey, you know, I would. We're not going to pay you after this year, but why not just keep him on the franchise tag for 2016 and try to win the Super Bowl? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that that's the one. That's the one kind of strange part of it. I, I thought. But I mean, who knows? And you know, in Cleveland, watch. This will be very Cleveland-ish. He goes and leaves in free agency, you know? 
Oh, right, right. <laughs> he doesn't resign there, becomes a free agent. They rent him for, what, eight games and still are terrible, and then he's on Seattle or somewhere. You know, I mean, someone's <laughs> yeah. paying him a ton of money somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, see, I mean, they got a good player, and maybe he signs there, but like what you're saying, trade Joe Thomas, trade Joe Hayden, don't trade for somebody. I mean, it just seems like it I was just like a very brownish thing really to do. break news that Joe Hayden went to the Saints or Joe Thomas went to Seattle or something along those lines as opposed to the other way around. Right. Unless they absolutely think they can lock him up. Perhaps. I mean, I, I would hope so. Yeah. Anyways, let's get into the meat of today's show, and it is yeah. the midseason awards. And let's start it off with Matt. We're gonna you're gonna go first, everyone. If you're cool with that, yeah, um, your your MVP award. Are we are we predicting who it's going to be, or who do you give it to right this second? If the season right this were second, over? the season ended now. See, I. Absolutely think it's going to be Brady, but he hasn't. I'm not sure he's played enough to right. for me to give him the award. The other candidate to me is Matt Ryan, but I'm still giving it to Brady. I just think Brady's playing so much better than everybody else. They're the best team in the league. It's maybe the best he's ever played in his career. I know he hasn't played enough to probably warrant it, but I'm still giving it to Brady. Well, I mean. I, he certainly was a guy I, I thought about, and I didn't give it to him because it's just four games, and I do sure. think he's going to win at the end of the year, so I'm with you. But I'm giving it to Derek Carr. I mean, what what he did okay. the other day was ridiculous. There's no more question about this kid. He he has arrived. And, you know, I, I, was, I was a little nervous about him after both of his first two years. And last year I think I said, oh, I think he could be a top – eight to 12 guy, but he's a top five guy right now, and he's only 25 years old, and he's only going to get better, and he has the magicness in him of being clutch in the fourth quarter. And maybe Matt Ryan, but I'm going to give it to Derek Carr. He's 6-2, and two, and his team stinks. I mean, they can't play defense. They, they get penalized at a record pace. Derek Carr is the reason why the Raiders are 6-2, and two, so he's my first half MVP. Yeah, and he would have been third on my list, you know, and I think he's certainly in the discussion, uh, clearly is progressing better than anyone would have expected or ahead of schedule, um, really doing a nice job, obviously. I mean, he's still up and down, too. I mean, he's not as consistent as no. Ryan or especially Brady this year, but he's a lot younger, too. You know, I mean, I, I think that's an unfair comparison, especially comparing him to Brady. But i got to be honest, I mean, I don't think the crew to pick from this year is all that strong right now. You know, like, no. yeah, it's it, not it, like somebody leaps in a lot the of these categories. A lot Very of these categories. So. I 100% agree. Well. We're gonna, I was going to say that, that I think this is going to be a recurring theme. Yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely. You know, there's only 14 teams with winning records. There's only four teams with six or more wins. It's 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 not a shining season by any stretch. No, and. You know, I mean, that's kind of – there's a lot of reasons for that. I think one of the major reasons is that the guys just don't get enough time to practice. But, you know, that the quality of plays down a little bit because they're not practicing as much. Right. Right. Well, and again, everybody, me and Matt do not know each other's answers. It's right. funner this way. So um, we're not doing an offensive player of the year because I always think that's stupid. Unless a defensive <laughs> player <laughs> is – 
the MVP. I, I, I just, you know, oh, hey, you're the second best offensive player of the year. Yeah, yeah. We're not doing it. We make the rules on this one. Your yeah, defensive like player it. of the year. To me, this is a two-horse race, and maybe you're going to pick the other guy, so I'm not going to say it. Um, I'm going with Aaron Donald. I, I think he's been fantastic this year. Doesn't get the publicity he probably deserves because he's not on a high-profile team. Um, but if you watch the tape, he's still he's jaw-dropping. I mean, he on tape to me is unbelievable. Yeah. You know, and everybody talks about Mac over Clowney. Donald was, I think, number 14 in that draft. I think he went so, right after Ebron. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so really good defensive draft there. Um, excellent pick. Yeah, that was a, that's a scout's pick for you, everybody. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. more, a, you know, I'm more flash and dash because I'm a limited sports writer. I'm going with that said. I'm going with Von Miller. He has eight and a half sacks. He's the best defensive player in the league, I think, as far as the impact, the skill position, if you will, on defensive players go, and. We all thought the Broncos' defense was going to lack a little bit, and it's not as strong as last year, but it's the reason why the Broncos are 6-2 and two and, and one of the few elite teams this year. And I just think he's a, guy who's, and he's a guy who rises to the occasion, as we saw in the playoffs last year and the Super Bowl, and he'd be my pick as of now. Was he your other candidate? Yes, easily. You know, and and yeah. I don't, I'll be shocked if a lot of these candidates or a lot of these categories – that either one of us pulls somebody that the other one wasn't like, yeah, he was next on my list, or that's who I was going to pick. You know, like, they seem like they're pretty obvious candidates, even if they don't jump off the page, you know, and we'll get to some of the other ones. But, yeah, to me it's a two-horse race between Donald and Miller, and by no means could I criticize someone for taking Vaughn. Yeah. I think I I said at the beginning of the show that a lot of these picks were surprised. He's probably the one non-surprise on my list as as I look at it. I mean, you know, if if we said, hey, in August, Von Miller's going to be the first half MVP, be okay, you know. Yeah, right, right. I mean, I think I picked Khalil yeah. Mack in the preseason. Uh, he had right, a great game right. the past week. And, but, you know, I mean, nobody was like, man, this Von Miller guy came from nowhere. Right. Uh, offensive, rookie, offensive rookie of the year, I think there's three obvious choices. Two of which are on the same team. And right. to me, it's Elliott. You know, with, I understand that. Quarterbacks get the benefit of the doubt. I think Wentz is going to be a star. I'm a believer in Prescott, but I also think neither one of those guys is as good at his position as Elliott already is. And especially this past week, I thought he looked tremendous. Every week, I think he looks better and better. Uh, You know, you, you compare him to who are the best running backs in football right now. I think he's already in the conversation. You know, I mean, he wouldn't be my pick. I would take Le'Veon Bell but he's in the conversation. And, you know, theoretically, he could he can get in the MVP race as well. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, that's, not, you that, that's not too far-fetched. I didn't even think of that angle. Especially yeah. if Romo takes uh, over. Or Romo, I guess it doesn't even matter. I mean, he still could. He might lead the league in rushing yeah. on a, one of the best teams in the league. Yeah, and if, there's, if people don't want to vote for Brady and Carr kind of levels off, and, and, and so does Ryan. He, he could be the guy, especially if he breaks Dickerson's record. I would think of all the running backs out there, he has the best chance to be MVP. Oh, certainly. Certainly. Yeah. Um, I, went in, I went with Prescott because I, I just believe in quarterbacks running the show, 
And, I mean, this is a fourth-round pick, and so much pressure on him. He, I don't think – don't tell him there's pressure on him because I don't think he's ever shown a bit of it. But, no. you know, I mean, he was going to be the third stringer when Kellen Moore got hurt, and they were looking for a backup, and then he becomes a backup just because there's time, and then Romu gets hurt, and then he just takes off, you know, from the preseason on, hasn't looked back. I probably would have took Wentz if they would have beaten the Cowboys the other night. Um, but, I, yeah, and I think Wentz may have a better career, but for right now, I, I think it's Prescott. And I don't think you can go wrong with any of the three guys. No, I can't either. I would have, Prescott would have been third for me. You know, I think Wentz has done more with less around him. You know, I'm not that, I mean, you got to remember, too, Prescott didn't have Des Bryant. You know, <laughs> that's like right. a new addition to their offense. But he's had the line and he's had the running game. And people always think I'm hating on Dak. You know, I'm a believer. I just like Wentz better. I mean, I think Wentz, if I was building a team, I would take Wentz. Oh, I probably would, too. I would, yeah, too. Yeah, different conversation. Yeah. Um, defensive rookie of the year. Kind of tough, right? Yeah. And it was funny is, you know, I mean, I wrote several articles in the off season, and I never had a good candidate then. You know, like, you know, usually there's a Keekly or Bowman or Willis or some stud middle linebacker that you know is going to get a ton of tackles. Or, And, you know, some of the names I threw out in the preseason were like Miles Jack, Bosa, you know, and then Bosa held out. Um, I really like Jalen Ramsey, but how many corners ever win the award? So, like, even going into the season, I didn't think there was anything close to being a clear-cut favorite, that it was this sort of – really open competition. And then when Bosa held out, you know, it's like, boy, I mean, you can't put him in the conversation. But now I think he's clearly won. You know, it's almost like a Brady situation that he's done so much in a shorter amount of time that I just think he's by far the most deserving. Um, Jalen Ramsey would probably be second for me, but he has his ups and downs as all corners do. Bosa's a star. That was my pick. It was Boza, and, you know, I went the Brady route on that, and, and mostly because two reasons. One, I think he's going to end up winning it because he's going to they're, they're going to look at 12 games compared to four, and I think he's just going to get better and better. And two, there was really nobody else, and, and mm-hmm. Ramsey's kind of hit or miss. He's kind of got he's got to get his, his mental side of it unchecked, I think, and, and, and he will, and I think he'll be a really good player. But Boza, he, from his first game on, he's been making the man plays. And he looks like the best defensive player out there a lot of the time, you know, on the field. And, I mean, his first game, he almost sacks the quarterback, and then he goes makes a tackle on a reception to a receiver. I mean, I think he has a chance to be really special. I do, too. I think, I think unlike Elliott, I think it's too early to say, Bosa's one of the best edge players in the league, where Elliott, you can say, yeah, he's one of the best running backs in the league. But I bet this time next year we're saying that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I just want to see more, and I think he'll only get better. They use him in a variety of ways. You know, people kind of made faces whenever they made that pick. Well, you're a 3-4 team, and he's a 4-3 end. Well, it doesn't really matter anymore, and he can do so much. Um, he's a big-time impact player. And, and you look at the Chargers – and that was a big reason I was so high on them as a comeback team was their off season was really strong. You know, I mean, you add guys like him and Hunter Henry and Latavis Brown in the draft and Casey Hayward is a pickup and Travis Benjamin, 
you know, they, they had a really strong off season. Yeah, and may, you know, maybe they're, they're the surprise team of the second half because they sure are competitive. You know, right? We talk right. about and them a lot. Keenan Allen yeah, I think and Jason Barrett, and you know, I mean, they're, they've been hit so hard with injuries. I'd love to see a team with Keenan Allen. Yeah, I mean, Barrett, Allen, you know, Teo. Um, yeah, I mean, there's it, there, it's something. I do think Boza could get to like Watt Miller level in three four years. That's really high. You know, I mean, like, yeah. I look at those two, and I think they're all-time greats. You know, that yeah. Watt is, you know, on a pace to be the best defense player ever. Miller, to me, is on a Derek Thomas, Lawrence Taylor career path almost. Um, I think he could be Michael Strahan. You yeah. know what I mean? I mean, like, a, and he's a Hall of Famer. I mean, he's, yeah. he's he was one of the best players in the league. I don't know that he's going to be – you know Reggie White, you know, but he could be Michael Strahan, or yeah, uh, you know, uh, that's pretty high praise. Michael Bennett, you know, I mean, a, a versatile guy that plays all over the line. That's a superstar. So, I, so he has big, big potential then, because I, I, Michael Michael Strahan's big potential. Sure, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think he has Hall of Fame potential. Yeah. Wow. Let's go to the coaches, and, and this is what we were kind of talking about earlier is not a lot of greatness. Um, I'm doing a story this week, and I got like six candidates for coach of the year. That that, that sucks, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I should have like nine or ten. Um, but there's just not that many teams getting it done, and, and there's not that many. Often the coach of the year comes from a surprise team, and – you know, other than Dallas and Oakland, there's really not big surprises going on. Um, who's, your, who's your pick? Yeah, and it is a tough one. It's not like, boy, I mean, I think Atlanta has a case, you know, as highly improved team, well-coached, getting more out yep. of their defense than their talent probably warrants, you know, some young guys playing a lot. Offense is clearly clicking in the second season under Shanahan, um, but I'm going to be really boring and give it to Belichick. You know that I love that pick. I didn't. I, I didn't pick him, but I think he's, he's. He's. Why not? Right. You know, I'm here in Pittsburgh, and Chuck Noll never won Coach of the Year, but just even though he had five, you know, four Super Bowl titles, you know. So sometimes those guys that just are great at what they do year in and year out don't get the credit they deserve. But I think they're the best team in the league, and. You know, he won with with Garoppolo without Brady and Gronk being injured and without a first round pick and Deion Lewis being injured and you know a lot of things working against them at the beginning of the season and they were still beating teams badly. This may be his best coaching year yeah. ever. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's certainly conversation. Yeah. So why not? Yeah, certainly. Again, like uh, the Wentz and. Dak, it kind of came down to this weekend. I think I would have gave it to Mike Zimmer had they won yesterday, but the kind of the roses off the bloom a little bit with these guys. Um, but he, I mean, he's overcome so much with the Vikings. But so is Jason Garrett. And there's a thing about it. Jason Garrett never gets any credit ever. No, you're right. You know, and he always is on the hot seat, and he's like, oh, he's Jerry Jones' puppet. But hey, man. They had a lot of injuries, other more than just the quarterback, and he's had to put in two rookies. And he's six and one. He's won six in a row, and he has to deal with the circus that it is being the Dallas Cowboys head coach. I think he's doing a terrific job. 
Yeah, absolutely. And feeding Prescott the right amount at the right time and bringing them along slowly, kind of like they did with Russell Wilson early in his career. And like you said, I mean, not, not only did not have Dez for most of the year, Tyron Smith's the best left tackle in the league. He was out of a large portion of the year. All their pass rushers were suspended for the first four games. You know, I mean, uh, getting a lot out of the defensive side of the ball when we all thought they'd be bad on defense. You know, that they're that secondary is playing really well, and Sean Lee and the linebackers are pretty pretty solid too. And they're atop a good division. You know, I mean, he wouldn't be my vote, but the other guy I think you throw out there is Peterson in Philadelphia because I think a lot of us looked at that team and thought they might be five and eleven this year. Yeah. That's that's not a bad guess either. That's that's pretty good actually. Yeah, yeah. He's done a pretty good job. Um, biggest surprise team, positively. See, I'm having a hard time coming up with one. You know that, and I thought about it and I thought about it and for a while there I would have said Buffalo because of that stretch. You know, after two games I thought they were going to pick in the top five. So for them to be on that hot streak, I, I thought Buffalo was, you know, playing above their heads, but now they've crashed back down. I mean, I don't think they're mm-hmm. a good team. Uh, you know, I'm scanning the AFC in my mind, and I, I can't come up with somebody who's playing well over their head. I thought about San Diego, but they have, you know, they, they, they're playing, they're playing better than their record, and they're playing better than you would think, despite those big injuries. So maybe those guys, I mean. Minnesota, I think, was in the conversation or probably runs away with it two weeks ago, but they've gotten beat up for two straight weeks. I guess I'll go with Dallas, you know, uh, and really maybe that whole division. <laughs> I mean, going back to the, yeah. rest of the year conversation, Washington's better than I thought, the Eagles are better than I thought, and Dallas is definitely better than I thought. Yeah, I mean, that's all right. You can go up a whole division, definitely. I mean, yeah, mine is yeah. the Giants. Giants are okay, but they're those other three teams. But everybody's over 500 in that division. And I thought that division would be junk. I mean, I thought it'd be yeah. nine win team. Away. Yeah. Yeah. My pick is the Cowboys. I mean, okay. You know, six and one quarterback went out, um, major injuries. I, Dak. I, I didn't think anybody. You know, when we didn't think they would be that good. You know. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, that's who I'm going with. How about surprise player? You know what, along your, your line with Dallas is uh, I'm going to do a power, power ranking tomorrow, and to me New England's clearly number one, and I felt really comfortable with Seattle number two, but they just tied and lost. I mean, Dallas might be number two. I mean, who's the second-best team in the league right now? Uh, it could be them. Yeah, I'd, I'd, go, uh, I'd go Dallas. Maybe Denver three, but I don't you know. Maybe. It's just it's not a very good – I mean, when you're struggling at three – it's we the struggles he started at like seven or eight. Yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the way like a team like Denver's playing, most years they should be six, seven, eight from the power ranks. Yeah. So does this mean we're going to have a really boring playoffs or a really competitive playoffs? I'm I'm tending to think really competitive. I think so too, especially the NFC. But I also think that. I'm going to be utterly shocked, with the possible exception of Pittsburgh, that anybody even challenges the Patriots. Yeah. In the playoffs. We might be in for a boring Super Bowl. Maybe. You know, I mean, if Seattle gets really hot, I mean, uh, I mean, I, I think some of the teams in the NFC, if they're gelling, and they would be to get that far, 
could certainly compete with New England, but I think they're going to have a pretty easy walk through the AFC. Yeah, yeah. I mean, especially, I mean, at home, you know. That's right, just a, right. This is a difficult place to play. After a bye. Right. Super cold, you know. Right. right. Um, who's your surprise player? And there's obviously tons, you know, both ways. Um, but one's a personal favorite of mine, and that's Terrell Pryor. And if I told you, you know, my history with him, I don't know if our listeners know that or not. Um, but for three years I was a recruiting assistant at Pitt. Then I went to Akron, and I was director of football operations, but I watched a ton of our recruiting tape when I was there. So basically for four years I watched tons and tons of recruiting tape. Well, right after I stopped doing that, when I went to the Browns right after Akron, is the year that Terrell Pryor came out of, out of Pittsburgh. I mean, he's from not too far from me at all here as the recruit of the country. And so I'm like, i got to right. watch this kid. I've been watching recruiting tape forever. Now I got a hold of a game and a, and a big highlight tape of him, and he was probably the best recruit I've ever seen. You know, and that includes Larry Fitzgerald and Darrell Rivas. I mean, great players that we've seen. And I, I looked at him and thought, this dude might be Von Miller. You know, like he's so physical, he might be an edge pass rusher or Jimmy Graham, or Calvin Johnson. You know what I mean? And I honestly think he's so talented that if he'd been playing receiver since the day he could crawl, you know, since he could crawl, I mean, since he started playing football, he might be almost Calvin Johnson-like. I mean, in terms of ability and size and all those things. And he's starting to really put it together. He's a star. You think think he could be a star receiver, huh? I think he already is, and he's getting better and better, and he's dedicated himself to it. Um, I mean, maybe the Calvin Johnson comparison is a little crazy. I mean, he's an all-time great, but, uh, I mean, there's nothing he doesn't have physically. And, uh, I mean, imagine if he would have a good quarterback thrown to him for, you know, eight games in a, in a quality offense. And, you know, I, I think he's a foundation piece for them. And you look at Pryor and their first-round pick, Coleman, they may have one of the best pairs of receivers in the league in the next couple of years. Well, what what I love about his story is that the guy never quit. You know, I mean, yeah, this is a guy who had cups of coffee three, four years ago with teams. You know, and 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 guy, plenty, there's been plenty of super talented guys that just just stopped, but he kept going and, and he agreed to change positions and and yeah, I'm great for him. I, I dealt with him a little bit in Oakland. I mean, this is a guy who you know the Raiders are trying to make a franchise quarterback, and now he's right, right. a guy <laughs> who you're saying is a star receiver. That just doesn't happen, so he deserves so much credit, you know. I mean, not to pound on a guy like Tebow, but hey, he could have he could have gone this route. Sure, you know. I mean, you know what I mean. I'm not saying he could have been a star tight end, but this guy tried it, and I I just loved his passion when I dealt with him in Oakland. It was just on a on a limited basis, so I, I just think he's a story that doesn't happen very often. And I think that was a great pick for you. I didn't pick him. Um, I got very lazy with this pick, I think. But, yeah, I mean, Terrell Pryor is a guy that deserves a, a lot of credit. Yeah. Who'd you take? You know, I went facing a barrel. I went with a guy who had nine sacks in his first nine years of his career and then has uh, nine yeah, sacks I this year in Lorenzo Alexander. I mean, that's a, you know, that's an equally pretty astonishing story. I mean, this guy was just a special teamer and a good special teamer for nine years. And then he comes to Buffalo, a couple opportunities happen, and he's starting, and they probably go, oh, God, we got to start this guy. And he's leading the league in sacks for half the season. I mean, 
that's that's an amazing story as well. No doubt about it. And I remember we talked like after like week three or four, and I'm like, yeah, he's playing well, but a lot of it's Rex Ryan scheming him up, and you know he's fortunate. But you keep watching him; he's keep doing it, and he's he's winning one on one matchups. I mean, he's a better player than he's ever been in his career. It's not fluky, you know. I mean, he's beating good players trying to block them. Yeah, and I covered him last year in Oakland. And he didn't get on the field much at all, other than special teams. And again, yeah. he's a terrific special teams player. Right, but, that's why I he's mean, still he's, employed. He's, he's finding he's he's finding a, a new career at the age of thirty-three. I mean, it's those are two pretty special stories. But uh, let's go to biggest disappointment team-wise. To me, it's Jacksonville. And okay, good one. I don't think any of us looked at the AFC South and thought, man, these guys are awesome, you know, that this division's strong. But they're so bad, you know, that they've put so much money and resources, free agents, good draft picks into building a quality um, roster. And I think they have a quality roster. And my most disappointing player is going to be Bortles. And so that goes hand in hand. But this team's horrible. I mean, they're right at the bottom of the league. And I thought they were on a Raiders-like pace as a franchise that maybe a little below, but a little behind the Raiders, but were ready to compete in a bad division and be a 9- or 10-win team. And they're really just horrible. Yeah, they make me mad because, they. I mean, yeah. it's been four years of this program. They've got talent. I, I, I think they got talent. And they're just not getting done. And, you know, I watched the, the Raider game a couple weeks ago, and they are terrible. Watched the Thursday night game. I don't know why, but I did, and they were terrible. I mean, it's just they're wasting time. This, you know, they're just wasting time. It was like the Raiders of a couple of years ago. You're wasting time. I mean, because now Jacksonville is going to be the, the, you know, the cute, the flavor of the month next year. And, and if they're not, if they don't get it done, they'll be again. And because I mean, they're they're going to have a new coach next year, and, and deservedly so. Yeah. They need one, and they'll you know they'll draft high again. If Codwell's there, they'll probably pick well again because they have been picking well. They'll do well in free agency, but then you know we'll expect it again. But we like the Raiders are finally showing us something. Absolutely. When are the Jaguars going to? You know, I don't mean to bash the head coach in Jacksonville, but I mean I think he's not doing a good job, and I do think he needs to go. But I think they also would better. They absolutely must when they make the change. It better be an offensive-minded quarterback guru type guy. You know that Bortles needs fixed, and you know just to jump ahead, he's my most disappointing player because you know I thought he was on a car-like career path too. He'd be the next franchise quarterback, and I think he can be saved. But it looks like he's done none of the of the work over the off season. His release is so bad. I mean, it's like he did he just partied all off season. Yeah, you know, and then he's bringing in a one his off season coach. What the hell is that all about? You know, that doesn't look yeah, great right. for the for the quarterback coach there. I tell you that. <laughs> right, yeah, like, hey, buddy, you're not doing a good enough job. I'm bring my own guy in because I stink. <laughs> Yeah, that's his bad precedent. Um, we talked about this a few weeks ago. Josh McDaniels might be a nice fit in Jacksonville. I would think it would be an attractive job if you believe you can fix Bortles. Right. Well, and that's what but Josh has to do with the next job because he went in there, didn't like Cutler, didn't tell anybody, and then tries to trade for Matt Castle and then blows up the whole thing. 
So he better have a pretty good feel of, of what he wants to do at quarterback, and it has to be realistic before he takes that job. Right, and I wouldn't blame anyone for going into Jacksonville and Bortles is going to be there and still use a second-round pick on a guy or bring in Jay Cutler or, you know, bring in Romo or, you know, I mean, I don't think that's unheard of or too much to ask from ownership. Yeah, yeah. Could they get anything for Bortles? Probably, they to but boy, you're selling low. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, yeah. He's he, he the number three pick two years ago. Yeah. You know, who's your most disappointing player in team then? Well, my most disappointing team is uh, Arizona. I mean, I could have yeah. gone Carolina. Carolina beat Arizona. You know, Arizona was a team that I thought was going to battle Seattle for the NFC title, not just the division title, but the entire conference. They went to the you know conference finals last year, and then they're just flat. You know, they just they look. They don't look any good when they play good teams, or or they don't look unable to beat good teams. You know, and I just expected so much more from Bruce Arians, and Bruce Arians is getting in the danger of being a Rex Ryan type. You know, all bluster, no bite. And I just expected a lot more from this team. And, and you know, this is a team that window may be closing because of the their quarterback's gonna be thirty seven oh. here in a month, and. The Hall of Fame receiver is, you know, certainly probably at least on the back nine. I mean, you know, I, I just think so much more was expected in Arizona this year. Yeah, and even last week, whenever they tied Seattle, who I thought was an elite team and still kind of do if Wilson's healthy, I looked at it and said, boy, the defense is really good. Second half of the season, the Cardinals might be a dominant team. And, boy, they got waxed in Carolina. I mean, I feel like maybe we should have seen that coming, though. I mean, you go to overtime in the most physical game of the year against Seattle. Then you have to do a cross-country road trip against a team that you know is better than a one-win team that was in the Super Bowl last year that's been embarrassed for half the season, that's coming off a bye and is super fresh and has all their healthy bodies. But they weren't competitive in that game. Right. Yeah. And I, I don't know if they're going to be able to fix it. Because I don't know that Palmer can play like he did last year. Yeah. And then that then that begs the question for next year. What the hell are you going to do? You know? Right. I mean, they, they, they even used a third-round pick on a guy to groom or, you know. Right. Right. So we, we got Bortles covered. My most disappointment, biggest disappointment players-wise, is kind of a big-picture thing. It's it's just the injuries and the suspensions. We would, you know, everybody's talking about the play's not as good as it used to be, and the ratings are down. Well, there's a lot of star players that haven't been playing. You know, yeah. Watt and Peterson, and you know, Bridgewater is not a star, but a, an interesting up and coming guy. Brady suspension, Bell suspension, and there's so many other injuries. You know, Big Ben's out now. It's just, and I know no, there's no answer. And it's part of a game, but it's just, it just sucks when the great players can't play. Yeah, I mean, to me, that's like the most disheartening thing about our job is I love the game and all those things, but then it's like, and it's not even me getting injured. I mean, imagine how Adrian Peterson feels and you know, I mean, the people right. that get hurt, Bridgewater, right. you know, and it's like, man, I want to, I want to pay my money. I want to turn the TV on to watch these guys, and he's sitting there in sweats watching the game. And because I don't, you know, the average fan doesn't realize on a Wednesday. In March, 
these guys are busting their tail for September, you right. know, and it, it just never stops. And to get injured, like, especially the way Bridgewater got injured, or, you know, Keenan Allen gets injured, what, week one after being out last year with a kidney and then he hurts his knee. It's just like, this is terrible for these guys. I mean, imagine even a guy like Kevin White. You know, I mean, like, we yeah. haven't even seen him yet. <laughs> you know, like, right. he's an early pick, and he comes out, and people were like, do you like Kevin White or Cooper better? And it was a conversation. I mean, a highly talented player gets hurt basically when he arrives in Chicago, and so, you know, has that whole redshirt year while he's healing an injury, comes out and, you know, doesn't look great, but, he, you know, at least he sees the field a little, gets injured again. I mean, his his career might be shot. Who knows? You know, like, uh, the poor guy hasn't even played. Yeah, it, yeah, it's just uh, it, it's just disheartening for these guys. Well, not to change the subject, but I think the show's going really well. <laughs> so uh, yeah. we are... We are in our last subject, and it's fearless prediction for the rest of the season. So it's wide open. It could be negative. It could be positive. What's What do you think is going to happen in the second half of this season? <sighs> a couple teams, I think, can really rebound. You know, It kind of goes back to that first thought of, boy, there's six teams that can win the Super Bowl. And I think Arizona could, but I'm not betting on it. I think Pittsburgh will. You know, I think this bye comes at a really, really strong time for them that you get Ben back and maybe Ladarius Green and Shazier and Hayward. And it's going to sound very Homerish, but I think that they are really poised to have a dominant second half of the season and actually challenge the Patriots as, you know, the best team in the AFC. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's what we've been expecting, right? And I don't think they've been bad at all. They just dealt with a lot of crap. And two real bad games. I mean, you lose in Miami and you get killed by the Eagles. But, you know, a lot of those are injury-related, too. But, yeah, and they do that too often. But I think they have a chance to be as good as anyone in the league. I mean, will they get there and stay healthy and accomplish that? I don't know. But I think the second half of the season sets up really good for them. And they also have a very easy schedule. Yeah, the tough thing for them is they may have a difficult time getting to that two seed. They may have to go through the wild card round. And, I, you know, I mean, that's just an extra game, but that's an extra game of risking loss and, and injury. So I just don't know if they catch the uh, AFC West teams. That's a good point, although I think the AFC West beats up on themselves a little bit more yeah. than the Steelers' schedule does. Yeah, Yeah, their schedule is pretty easy, isn't it? They had the Browns twice, and, you know, they yeah. are in pretty good shape. Yeah. yeah. Man, you know, the, I was looking, I was doing a story in the AFC North last week, you know, schedule-wise, second half. The, the Ravens have a really brutal schedule, man, the rest of the way. And, and what's and interesting, is, too, is Cincinnati's is much easier in the second half than it is the first half. So I think they could have a much better second half of the season with Eifert healthier as well, too. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. Hey, well, my fearless prediction for the rest of the season is we've talked about the AFC West a lot in this show, and it's arguably the best division in football with the NFC East, and I think the West may be better. I mean, again, there's only four six-win teams, and two of them are in the West, and Kansas City is a half game behind them at 5-2. and two. I think Kansas City is going to win 
a really great race the rest of the way. I know that was a subject of our show last week. And the more I think about it, I think Kansas City is probably best equipped to come out of this second half, even though they're behind a little bit. That is bold. I mean, I I can see where you're coming from, and, you know, they're starting to rush the passer better. Their defense is playing pretty well, and Justin Houston's is still on the horizon. You know, I mean, they're one of these yep. teams that still have the carrot dangling in front of them, that one of these stars that we haven't been able to see is due to come back, you know, hopefully sooner than later and, you know, be a dominant player possibly down the stretch or – Jamal Charles gets healthy, and he's a great player for the final six weeks or so. You know, I mean, so I could see it. I mean, they're a well-coached team. Uh, they're they're probably the hardest team in that division to find glaring weaknesses with. Right, and, and that's kind of the reason why I, I picked them. And they won ten in a row to end last season, and they just so they they know how to put it together. And I think they are. You know, Andy Reid's a little goofy, and he screws up clock management in the bad times, but he runs a hell of a program. He knows how to win games in this league. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I, I, and I just think it's going to be a fascinating, and there's a, they, those, all those power teams in that division all play each other a, a lot. I don't think, I don't think there's been, a, you know, teams playing each other twice yet. And then you put in the Chargers, we talk about all the time, who's you know going to be a tough out every 60 minutes they play. So there's going to be some battles in that division. Yeah, that's what makes me think that I don't know if any of them will end up as an 11-win team or as a bye team if Pittsburgh does you know, dominate the second half of the season like I'm thinking. you know, I just think a lot of those teams are going to beat up on each other and have to win in division. It's going to be really hard on the West. Do you think there's going to be a lot of four and fours out of that division the rest of the way? Uh, yeah, I mean, I could see a lot of the teams being, you know, either two, three, or four wins within their division. You know, like I don't see anybody going six and zero in the division, or you know what I mean. Like, uh, right. it's just tough. I mean, there's tough teams to play against, and they know each other so well. And yeah, I mean, I think there'll be some really good games on the stretch within that division. Yeah, I mean, I think Denver, I mean, Simeon's going to catch. I, I like Simeon more than you do, I think, but I don't know. You know, he might catch up to them. Their running game's in trouble. Their offensive line has holes. I mean, that's a whole that's a whole unit there that has big question marks. And, and the thing that scares the hell out of me about the Raiders are they're 6-0 and against teams with losing records. One of those teams they've beaten is 4-4, is four and four, so what? The rest of them are have losing records, and they're 0-2 against the only two teams that they've played with winning records. That is glaring to me. Right. Uh, Simeon, though, still gives me pause. You know, that I have a hard time getting behind a team and saying, yeah, you're the worst quarterback in the league, but you're the worst quarterback in the division, and you're still going to come out of the best division. You know, I mean, to me, that's the big glaring hole there. But he has stood up, up to challenges, and, and, and it doesn't look too big for him, and I give him credit for that. I mean, they're yeah. a lot better shape than they were would have been if they kept Mark Sanchez. Yes, yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think that he doesn't panic. He doesn't make a ton of errors. Um, I just think he's very limited. You know, I mean, yeah. So I mean, those are his, those are his strengths. Obviously, is he doesn't screw it up. I wonder if they're thinking about fast tracking uh, Lynch. See, I think Lynch is going to be a star. I just don't know yeah. when. Well, if, if they feel that way, I mean, you'd think that and their buy is kind of late this year. I think it's like week 11, which is coming up. But 
you know, late in the grand scheme of the season. And that's a weird situation too. I mean, if it's if if your buy is week eleven and you're eight and two or seven and three or whatever, and Simeon's getting the job done, do you make the change? You know, it's kind of like the Osweiler Manning situation last year. Yeah, I mean, Simeon was Simeon was one of the reasons why they won the game against San Diego this week. Yes, they had three huge interceptions, but the offense was horrible running wise, and and he made some plays when they had to, and. So, you know, he contributed to that win. So it's not like he's killing them yet. No, you're right. It's not like a Ryan Fitzpatrick throwing six picks type of guy. Yeah, I mean, like you said, Osweiler, Fitzpatrick, you you know who to point to in those situations. Bortles, right. Yeah, I just don't, I, I just don't know if we, if we point at Simeon for the, for the Broncos issues. So, anyways, we go off on tangents, and that's what we're do. So, I appreciate it. Uh, anything else you want to add on the first half of the season? No, this was fun. And one other note I did want to make, or two notes, is I think it's very clear right now that offensive line play is well behind defensive line play, and I think that's a root of one of the problems of, boy, football's not as good anymore because the guys on defense in the trenches are winning. I also think the lack of practice time hurts the game overall tremendously. And I'm also shocked that there's so many missed field goals this year. You know, that uh, the field goal percentage is way down, and the weather's good. You know, wait till it gets bad. Yeah. Yeah, it was better last year. Last year was the first year of the change. It seemed like it didn't bug field goal kickers, and this year it's, like, starting to get in their heads. Yeah. You know, I mean, these two ties, because kickers can't make a, make a kick. Yeah, and then the kid in Tampa Bay is a train wreck, and it's just... Right. Second-round pick, can't make a kick. Yeah, I, you know, I, I cover the Raiders pretty heavily, and old Seabass missed the 58-yarder at the buzzer and then misses a 52-yarder in overtime, and Raider fans want to get rid of him. <laughs> right, <laughs> he's been good for 17 years. And he missed two pick-plus look, look, look what else is going around the league. You know, there's not a better answer. No, there's a shortage of kickers right now. Yeah. So, good stuff, man. Have your kids grow up to be either an offensive lineman or a kicker, huh? Or a long snapper. I've always said, yeah, get your kid long snapping since he's about six years old. He'll get a he'll get a free ride to college and maybe get one of the thirty-two jobs in the league. Cool. All right, Matt. Well, we appreciate it. Good stuff, dude. This was fun. All right, thank you. We'll talk to you. Thanks, everybody. All right. We'll see you.